Hi. How's it going? Nice to see all of you. It's great to be with the Journey family today. If you're our guest, uh, you're with us for a unique weekend. Vision Weekend is a time where we look back and where we look forward, and so it's a little bit atypical, but uh, you'll determine today uh, what we're all about, if nothing else. You'll determine absolutely to the core of our being who we are as a church and what we're about, because we use this time as kind of a state of the church address, if you will. You know how the president stands up in front of the nation around about January every year and uh, gives the state of the union. I'll give it for him right here. It's not going very well. It just saved him a whole bunch of time, right? And uh, the state of the church, the state of Journey Church in particular, as we look back over the past year, And then we'll also look forward because that's what vision is, right? It's a look forward and all that God is inviting us to and asking us to be a part of. And uh, I want to start with a look back over the past year. Now, when I say the past year, here's what I mean. Uh, Journey's on a September 1 fiscal year. So our year runs from September 1 to August 31. And so I'm talking about September of 07 to uh, August 31 of 08, right? So just the August we had, you know just seems like it was the other day, right? But it wasn't the other day because it's like November already. And so when I say last year, that's September 1 of 07 through the end of August 08. And uh, to capture that real well, everything that God's done around here, I invite you to this special broadcast. So turn your attention to the side screens, if you would. Sue Bennett, and this is a Journey Church News Special Report. Every year we give an update to the congregation about the happenings at Journey Church. This year is no exception. Let's go to the field correspondent, Hallie Bennett. Hallie? Thanks, Sue. Well, the children's program is in full swing here at Journey Church. But this is just one of many exciting things going on at Journey. The kids here can hardly wait to share the bus. Just listen to these statistics. 262 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ this year. On average, 806 adults and 107 kids attended Journey service each weekend. Close to $900,000 has been given to the light campaign to date. There were 17 new light pledges this year, totaling just over $74,000. We've given out 356 gift bags and gone through 5,000 pens. And 15 bags of pretzels, that is 45 pounds. (laughs) There have been seven baptisms. And eight baby dedications. There are 17 new small groups, and each week, 249 people serve a journey. And we welcome 43 new members to the church. Those are just a few of the statistics we've discovered, Sue, and that doesn't include the 40 mentors and the 60 mentees that are involved in our Mentor to Mentor program, or the people that have attended our outreach events, like the Easter egg hunts, where, between you and me, I made out pretty well. That's fantastic, Hallie. Thanks for the update. Speaking of the Easter egg hunt, as you know, Journey is a church that tries to get involved with the Bozeman community. Let's talk about other outreach events that Journey has launched. What else has Journey done over the last year? The Fall Carnival, Journey to Pirate's Cove. Holy cow, the Round Pin Ministry! The National Day of Prayer. There was the Charlie Hall concert. Like you were there. There was the Charlie Hall concert. I was. Okay, good. Father's Day barbecue. Imagine Christmas. I really liked the sand art. Serving chili at the Christmas stroll. Doing icky cleanup at the Sweet Pea Festival. Volunteering at the Hatch Fair Festival. Birthday boxes in the food drive for the Bozeman Food Bank. There were also new ministries that started up, like Divorce Care, Celebrate Recovery, Big Sky Campus Outreach, Craft Singles. Santa Promise! 
The Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Class. The Love and Logic Parenting Class. Recall Scripture Memory Class. Guest Central. And, um... Men's One-on-One -on -one Mentoring. Ha! And that doesn't even include the existing ministries, like Women's Enrichment Classes, Ignite, the Kids Program, Inside Out High School, the Slam Middle School, Woo! Women's Boot Camp, Love, Inc., Pit Stop, Prayer Gatherings, Small Group, Drama Team, Marriage and Mentor Program, and Tour. Whew, that was a mouthful. Impressive! Oh, and let's not forget some of the miscellaneous items, like Brian going to seminary. Yeah, and we purchased 40 acres of land for our future ministry campus. And we went to three services this year. That's pretty huge! And did you hear that two members of the worship team opened for casting crowns? Really? Who? I'll tell you later. Oh, and we also had that church swap with Harvest. Oh, and at our outdoor service, that tent was torn up during a hailstorm. Awesome! Yeah, and don't forget about our Helena Church plant and our Light Brighter campaign. And the Headwaters Camp, and the Ice Surf Fair, and the Leadership Summits, and Reveal! Holy guacamole, Batman! Journey Church is full of action. Wow, I'm just excited talking about all the things that are going on. And I hope you are, too. I am. <laughs> well, looks like we're out of time, folks. Better sign off. I'm Hallie Bennett. And I'm Sue Bennett, and this has been a Journey Church News Special Report. It's fantastic. If you want a copy of that DVD, it'll be out at the uh, CD table next weekend. Be one out there for you if you want to pick that up. And to tell you the truth, all of that is very, very cool. And it's especially cool because it's all about mission fulfillment, isn't it? All that stuff that those kids talked about for five or six minutes on that video is all about mission fulfillment, the accomplishment of the mission that we are called to as a congregation. And you know how in some organizations they have to do this organizational clarity thing on occasion where they sort of have to take a step back and wonder what they're all about? We don't have to do that as a church. Why? Well, because Jesus gives us our marching orders. He tells us very explicitly what we're to be about as a congregation, as a community, as disciples. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. It's not a secret where it's found. It's in the Bible. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19. Here's what Jesus says. This is your mission, he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what we're about. That's why we exist. That's, why the that's what the ministries of our church are about all year long. Now, we get some latitude with the Great Commission, don't we? We get to put a contextualization on the Great Commission, and so we as a community have done that. It's found in our mission statement, which I hope you all know. It's this, Journey Church, reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Christ. Reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Christ. And that mission statement has two prongs, doesn't it? It has an outreach prong, going just like the Great Commission tells us to, reaching people who are far from God, and then the other prong is growing them up in Christ, turning them into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we've been about that very thing for the past 12 months around here. Actually, for the past three years, as long as we've been in existence. Some stats of note that especially bear that out. They were on the video, but I want to highlight them again because I think they matter. 262 people in the past 12 months indicated to us that they gave their lives to Jesus Christ in one of our ministries. 262 folks. That is astounding to me. It is simply astounding. Something for which God gets all the praise and all of the credit. That means that since we started three years ago in the fall of 2005, 656 people have met the Lord across the life of Journey Church because of one of our ministries around here. That is just astounding. But we got a lot of work to do, don't we? There's this number that we throw around, and it's 65,000. We talk about the 65,000 a lot around here. There are 65,000 people in the Gallatin Valley who, if Jesus Christ came back today, they would spend a Christless eternity apart from him because they don't have a relationship with him. 
65,000. So we're not looking at our 656 and patting ourselves on the back and going like, yeah, aren't we something? Yay. Uh Uh-uh. We're holding the 656 up next to the 65,000 and going, we've got a long way to go, don't we? We got a lot of work still to do to reach those 65,000 and then to grow them up in Christ. And then you couple that You couple the reaching with the literally hundreds of men and women and children who are actively and regularly involved in the growing ministries of Journey Church, and we believe that we are well on our way to mission fulfillment. We're not there yet, but we're well on our way as we see it. Some other stats of interest, average attendance across the life of our church last year was 806 adults. That's up from 622 the prior year. Kids, 107 on average last year. That's up from 89 the prior year to that. That means last year, the average attendance around here was just over 900 folks at three years in. Some of you are financial people, and so you want to know what the financial footing of Journey is. Our net worth today, as it stands, is approximately $2.2 million. That's up 1.7 from 1.7 the previous year. It's up about a half a million dollars or so. Now, on the budget note, we missed our budget goal last year. Just in case you were wondering, if you were around here last year, you would have heard me talking about once a quarter, and I would talk to you about how giving was trending downward. And so that caused us, that downward trend caused us to have to spend into our cash reserves about $50,000, okay? Our budget was about a million dollars. General fund giving ended up coming in at about 800,000 or so. Actual expenses were not a million dollars. We held expenses to about 850. And so we spent about $50,000 of our cash reserves, all right? And even with that $50,000 loss last year, our net worth still managed to increase by about 10 times that, about a half a million dollars or so. So the Lord continues to take good care of us on the financial front as we continue to obey and trust and be obedient with our stuff and continue to give to him. Now this next one is particularly significant in my opinion. In the 06-07 fiscal year, 625 people wrote prayer requests on those cards that are in front of you in those chair pockets. 625. That means people came into a weekend service. That's primarily how we come across those prayer requests. And they said, look, I'm carrying something heavy with me, and I need some help carrying that. And I'm going to write it on here because I believe these people are going to help me carry this in the spiritual realm. They're going to pray for me about this 625 in the 06-07 fiscal year. Now, in the 07-08 fiscal year, that number almost doubled. 1,103 prayer requests came in. 1,103 individual prayer requests written on those cards because people were carrying stuff that was heavy enough that they said, I need some help. And so we as a community got to come alongside them and help bear that burden, especially in the arena of prayer. Now, this is significant because, honestly, Prayer is a weakness in the life of our church. It just is. And this isn't like a guilt and shame session where I'm going to guilt you and shame you into praying more, not pulling out the prayer stick. I'm just speaking from my heart about how I read the spiritual life of our congregation. Prayer is an area of weakness. And there's no condemnation in this. It's just my view that we're going to have to get better if we're going to ask God to continue to trust us with more and more and more stuff that people are carrying with them. Now, around here we say that prayer is priority number one. We don't want to do anything around here until we've prayed. We want to finish everything with prayer because we believe that's where ministry really rises and that's where ministry really falls. If we're just doing stuff, if we're just busy in activity, what's Jesus say about that stuff? He said it isn't going to last It isn't going to last. Everything we do must be undergirded and covered in prayer. Now, more and more people are trusting us with more and more stuff. God is trusting us with more and more stuff. But it seems to me that our corporate prayer covering is not increasing in proportion with our ministry increases, right? If you think about our prayer cover like an umbrella, it's my opinion that a lot of our ministry is out from underneath the corporate prayer umbrella of our church. I think we must do better. And so I just want to challenge you. 
in this new ministry season, would you consider how you could lock arms with those faithful prayers around here to increase that corporate prayer cover? Now, there's some people around here who give their guts to prayer. They're at almost every prayer gathering. They're praying during weekend services, asking God to do special and amazing and cool stuff inside of these services that God would change people. And they're praying in all sorts of corners around here. But they're a lonely bunch, to be honest with you. And so I just would challenge you to think about helping increase our corporate prayer cover. You could start by just coming to the Wednesday night prayer gathering. Now, I'm starting to consider that maybe people don't come to the Wednesday night prayer gathering because they're afraid of what might happen there. They think it's like weird in there, right? Like we all lock arms and sing kumbaya and do weird dances around the table and so on. We don't. We don't. The prayer requests that people write on those cards on the weekend, they show up on a sheet You come in, you sit around a table, the sheet gets handed out, and we pray generally sentence prayers over everything that's listed and other stuff that people bring to that gathering themselves that are there. And so I invite you, 5.15 on Wednesday nights at the offices, just show up. It was our vision when we started Journey that there would be a different prayer gathering every single night of the week all around our valley so that anybody who needed prayer, they just knew that every night of the week across the life of Journey Church, there was a prayer gathering, and we're not even close to that yet. What if we got there, and what if you helped us get there? What if you started a prayer gathering in your house, and you just said, look, Thursday night, I'm gonna pray at our house, and you're gonna invite some friends, and you're just gonna make it available, and some people might show up, and some people might not show up. It might just be you praying sometimes, but what if you just made that available? What if instead of doing your small group curriculum one week of the month, you said, no, we're going to turn this small group gathering into a prayer gathering just once a month. And so your small group locks arms and gets around the life of our community through prayer. I just invite you to think about that, how we could increase our corporate prayer cover. I think we got to get better. I think we got to amp it up. We saw a very significant increase in people serving monthly around Journey Church. 414 people served every month up from 255 the previous year. That is an enormous deal. That matters because Journey Church is a place that will always be inviting people to get out of the bleachers and onto the field of serving and ministry. We're not just casual observers in the kingdom of God. We're actually active participants in inviting the kingdom of God. We're kingdom of God bringers see. Now, believe me, there's plenty of space around Journey Church for you to be a casual observer if that's where you are in your faith journey. There's plenty of space. There's plenty of opportunity. Maybe you just need Journey to be a hospital for you, and Journey's going to help you get well, but just know that we're always going to be making new invitations to the serving game. Why? Well, because we're following the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus came with a serving towel draped over his arm. He came not to be served. He didn't say, serve me, serve me, serve me. Uh Uh-uh. He came rather to serve. And so we will follow his example and we will serve our way into the lives of people all around our community, all across the life of our church to advance the gospel, to advance the hearing of the kingdom of God. Another item of note in the life of our church was last spring, we undertook the reveal survey. How many of you took the reveal survey? Show of hands, please. Yes, a few of you. Good job. Thank you very much for participating in that. The reveal survey was a research endeavor into the life of the spiritual temperature and health of our community. It was in partnership and with the help of our friends out at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. We used a tool that they developed to measure the spiritual temperature of their own community. And that research that many of you took part in told us some things. Lots of things, actually. Just a couple I want to highlight for you. First of all, that research told us that people who are far from God are around our community called Journey. They're here. They feel safe here. They find what they're looking for here. That's a great deal. That's part of mission accomplishment for us. The second thing that that research told us that is particularly of note is that those who identified themselves in what the research classifies as the closer to Christ group, meaning those who are already Christ followers, probably have been for some period of time, you told us that we need to do, we as a church need to do a better job of nurturing your spiritual development. That's what you said. 
you're generally dissatisfied with the nurture of your spiritual development across the life of our church. And I want to tell you something, that we agree. We entirely agree. But that comes about, for that dissatisfaction comes about for a reason. The reason, lots of it, is me, honestly. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I, if you look at my spiritual gifts, am fundamentally an apostle and an evangelist. All right, and you're like, whoa, that's weird, an apostle. What the heck is that? When you look at the five-fold spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four of the Bible, I invite you to look at it sometime. Paul lists for us five giftings, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And when you look at Brian Hopkins' gift mix, I am off the charts apostolic. And you're like, that's a weird word that we don't use very much. But let me just simplify it for you. Apostolic means entrepreneurial, generally speaking. Apostolic means entrepreneurial. Apostolic means that I'm going to always be inviting us as a community to seize new ministry ground. Lots of times we think of entrepreneurs as like being greedy and bad, right? But an apostle is a spiritually focused entrepreneur who's thinking about expanding the kingdom of God. Now, Sometimes that expansion and that entrepreneurship is to the detriment of the community. I have some people on our staff around Journey who are always telling me, they're like, Brian, you gotta slow down. We cannot take that much new ministry ground. You're going to kill us. And they're like, reining me in. And that's great. I need that. Absolutely. But it's the way God's wired me. It's the way he's put me together. So I'm off the charts apostolic, off the charts entrepreneurial, and I'm evangelistic new ministry ground, and then helping people take initial steps of faith toward Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That's who God made me to be. That also means that I am not best suited to meet the needs of the spiritual development of those who are already Christ followers. Now I can do it. I have some skill in that area, but it isn't natural for me. I don't gravitate to it first place because I'm apostolic and evangelistic. But thankfully, there's five spiritual gifts Paul lists for us in Ephesians chapter four. He, does, he doesn't just say, well, if you're apostolic and evangelistic, that, that's it, and there's not any spiritual growth. Huh, there's five. And it just so happens that we have some of the other around here. That's why we hired Sam Summers as the pastor of spiritual formation at Journey Church. He is literally off the charts. I just looked at it yesterday. He is literally off the charts in the Ephesians 4 giftings of teaching and shepherding. Those are spiritual growth giftings. There is not a better guy in the world than Sam to challenge the spiritual development of those who are Christ followers. And so while I'll spend a majority of my time operating in the reaching people who are far from God category of our ministry, Sam's field, the field that Sam will primarily plow in, will be on the growing side of our mission statement, growing them up in Christ. That's what he'll do for us as a community, and it will invite us to new initiatives to that end. Thank God for that. So thanks for the data. Thanks for telling us the truth. And just know we're paying attention. We're getting better. We're heeding your words. So that's past. That's last year. Now let's take some time and look ahead to this new ministry year, the next season of life for us as a community called Journey Church. And I want to do it through the lens of a story. I was talking to a friend of mine some time ago, and my friend told me about a friend of his whose younger sister was in quite a spot. The story went something like this. This girl, she attended the first two weeks of her freshman year of high school, and then she quit. She's like, nah, I don't need that high school gig. I'm, I'm all done. And so she had lots of disposable hours in her day that were not filled. And so she spent the time in her day running with peers who were not helpful to her in any way. She's barely 18 right now. She has three different children by three different men. She doesn't have a job. She lives off of whatever government program will afford her some subsistence help. Now, she had been living at home. Her mom invited her to come home because she needed stability and help with the grandchildren and so on. That was really a good thing, to have that stability in the life of she and her family. But not too long after moving in with her mom, with her kids, she met a guy. 
And she and that guy decided that the best thing they could do was to move in together. You know, the whole hookup and then the whole shack up thing that culture says is norm and that's what we all ought to do. And so she moved out of her mom's house with her kids and moved in with this guy. Now that wasn't all bad because this guy that she moved in with was probably the most healthy guy she had been with in her whole life, frankly. Well, not very long ago, very long after they moved in together, the girl and that boyfriend of hers decided that they were going to go on a date. So they dropped the three kids off at grandma's for the evening, the mother did, and then she and the boyfriend were going to meet up at this restaurant. But the daughter never showed up, the girl never showed up at the restaurant where they were supposed to meet. And so he called her mother and said, is she there? No, but the kids are okay, the kids are safe, that's good. I'm going to go look for her, the boyfriend said. And he said, well, the natural first place for me to start would be our apartment, the apartment that they shared. And so he went there, he keyed his way into the door, and as he flung open the door right into the living room, there she lay on the floor of the living room with an empty bottle of painkillers, prescription painkillers next to her. She had ingested the whole bottle in a suicide attempt. He panicked, of course. He wasn't sure if she was dead or alive. He called 911. They rushed her to the hospital. By the time they arrived at the hospital, she was in a drug-induced coma. And nobody knew if she was ever going to wake up again. For three days, the family paced the floor with the medical staff of the ICU, wondering, is she ever going to wake up again? And an interesting thing happened. On the third day, she just sat straight up in bed, as if nothing had ever even happened. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know how she had gotten there. She had no idea why she had needles stuck in her arms. Why am I here, she said. And when she woke up, it really raises all kinds of issues, doesn't it? Like, what's going to happen to her kids? Right? We all think about that. What's going to happen to her kids? What's going to happen to her? Where's she going to go? What's next in this girl's life? And I was doing a little pondering. I was doing some reflecting on this girl's life and her kids and their future. And I, th I thought, how is she going to get well? It's really the question I kept coming back to. How is she going to get well? Around Journey, we think about people in sort of three different categories. We invite people first to get saved, right? Make a decision for Jesus Christ, yield your life to him and his way. And then the next place we move to just naturally after making a decision for Christ is into this mode of getting well. We all have broken stuff inside of us that God wants to heal. And so we then set about a course of allowing God to heal us from the inside out. That's the getting well process. And then around here, we challenge people to get going, right? Get going toward kingdom of God expansion, toward ministry and serving and so on. Get saved, get well, and get going. And as I reflected on this girl and her family and her life and her future, I kept coming back to the question, how in the world is she going to get well? What's it going to take for her to get well? And I started to scroll through some options in our society. I thought, well, she probably needs a, a drug rehab program of some kind. And I thought, well, you know, in one category, that's going to help her be well. But in the big picture, that's not going to heal her soul. That's not going to heal her brokenness. Maybe she needs a job retraining program, and that would offer her a fresh start and a new future, and that might help her economically. But at the end of the day, a job retraining program isn't going to change her eternal destiny. It's not going to make her soul well. And the reality and the truth that I kept coming back to is that there is just one power on this planet that can bring about the healing that that girl needs, and it's the power of the love of Jesus Christ. Because, see, it's only his love that conquers sin, and it's only his love that wipes away shame. It's only his love that heals wounded hearts and reconciles enemies and puts shattered dreams back together again and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. And the alarming thing about that truth is this, that the radical message of the transforming love of Jesus Christ has been given to you and it's been given to me. It has been entrusted to us the church. That's heavy. God does not have a plan B for transmitting the redeeming love of Jesus Christ to the world. He does not have a hip pocket plan. We're it. We're the front lines and we are the last lines toward that end. 
And so that means, see, in a very real way, that the future of the world and the future of families, just like that girl's, rests in the hands of the church. That's us, folks. And churches just like ours. Frankly, either we prevail or it's lights out on planet Earth, see. Which is why in the next season in the life of our community and our church is the step of beginning to develop a ministry campus and a community center as the need meeting hub in our community. The need meeting hub for all people from girls just like the one I described and her children to families just like yours and mine and everywhere in between, see as we continue to convey the powerful, life-changing love of Jesus Christ through every facet possible. I wanna paint a little history for you. Back in the fall of 2006, just about two years ago, we were a one-year-old church plant, by the way, And we brought in these capital campaign consultants and we said, look, we're gonna have to get about our facility development at some point. We feel like we better start now. It seems like momentum is building that way. And so will you help us get about that? And these two very smart, wise, godly capital campaign consultants, they just shook their heads. They're like, nope. You cannot get about that. We will not help you get about that. You're just a one-year-old church, and uh, it's pretty dumb, actually, that you're considering even thinking about that. You just you need a few years under your belt, and so why don't you just wait? And we said, well, we don't think we should wait. And so they said, well, all right. And they started to probe around the life of our church a little bit, and they came back and they said, well, looks like you're right. Looks like Journey is ready to take that step. And so we put a goal of $3 million out there. They didn't want to do that either. They said, no, probably need to make a more attainable goal, something like $1 million. And we're like, well, that's not, that's not enough. In this community, that won't buy three acres, let alone 40. And so they, they said, all right, but we need you to know. They literally made me sign a document that said I would not hold them responsible for our failure. Literally, they made me this like contractual document that I wouldn't sue them and hold them responsible for our, our failure. I was like, oh, okay. So our goal was $3 million. They said it was crazy. 170 families stepped up and pledged $2.3 million. Whoa. They shook their heads again. We didn't even think you'd get close to that they said. They were stunned and overwhelmed and amazed by God's goodness and his provision. It was astounding. In the fall of 2007, just a year later, additional pledges were made and a two-year follow-up invitation to those who were new to Journey in the previous year through an initiative that we called Light Brighter. Some additional pledges were made, bringing our total to just a smidge over $2.4 million pledged to that project. Very cool. Very special. Now, The even better part of that is that about 1.2 million of that 2.4 has come in. And I just want to say, way to go. Way to go to all of you who are active participants in that light and that light brighter project. Every single month, there are hundreds of families across the life of our church who are giving sacrificially to make that possible. Way to go and keep that up. You honor God as you obey and trust and depend on him for that sacrificial giving above and beyond what you're already giving to the general fund of Journey Church. Now, this is pretty cool too. On September 4th of this year, just a couple of months ago, we bought 40 acres on the corner of Love and Baxter Lane for interestingly, $1.2 million. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And you look at that, and you kind of go like, whoa, that's a lot of money, $1.2 million for 40 acres. But get this, we had expected to spend up to twice that much money to land on 40 acres, see. As we've been shopping for land over the last couple of years, it wasn't very long ago that we were talking about real estate at 60, 70, 80. We even looked at a parcel at $90,000 an acre, and we paid $30,000 an acre. God's provision to us in that way is nothing short of unbelievable. And so what that means is that our unexpected savings in land costs has opened a door of opportunity so that we could actually consider building phase one of that ministry campus and community center in the near future. We didn't think that we'd be able to be talking about this for several years from now, but it would seem that we're on the threshold of just such an opportunity. 
Now here's what I want you to know. That any time we talk about building buildings around here, these aren't just church buildings. These are not one or two day a week kind of facilities, but rather this is a campus and this is a ministry center and this is a community center that literally becomes the need meeting hub of our community. I wanna draw something for you. If this is Love Lane right here, no, this is Baxter actually. Just like that I can change what a street is. It's pretty amazing. This is Love Lane. Ever tried riding sideways? It's no picnic. And so this is our property right here. Love and Baxter, northwest corner of Love and Baxter. We don't ever think that there's going to be a sign on the corner of that property that says Journey Church on it. Why? Because, well, that land and any buildings that go up on that land are not a church, are they? This is the church. The gathered and called out Christ followers are what compose a church. Those are just buildings. Buildings are just tools for mission accomplishment, see. We're not just going to build church buildings. We want to develop a ministry campus that becomes the need-meeting hub in this community. And so this next season in our life as a community includes a two-year initiative. It's brand new, not ever been talked about before except in the previous two services this weekend with the goal of raising an additional $2 million to get phase one of that campus development underway. It's a two-year target, $2 million. That will allow phase one of our ministry campus and community center to get out of the ground. Now we're working on a plan that looks something like this. Bayless Ward, our architect, just drew this up this week. We've been adjusting the plan and messing with numbers and such. Go to the next one, if you would. Yes, that one right there. And what you see there is really three pods of a ministry complex and community center. The left pod is we, we just need office space. We rent offices right now out on Bridger Drive. We spend about three grand a month to rent those offices. We need to put those offices on site. The second piece of the pod, the one in the middle, is the worship center. It's a cafegematorium, if you will, right? A lot like this. It's an activity gym Cafe gymatorium that converts to a worship center on the weekends, right? Flat floor, movable, stackable chairs, a built-in stage, and so on. The, ne the necessities to do weekend services like we do. Also, though, it isn't just so we can hold services in that building. We hope that the community uses that facility that the Boy Scouts would have Boy Scout stuff in there, and that if Walmart needs a place to have their Christmas party, that they might have it in there, and on and on, that the baseball teams need a place to throw and hit and pitch and so on, that they would do it in that facility. And then over on the right side are classrooms, the kids' ministry facilities on the weekends. But see, it would bug us if those kids' ministry building, the kids' ministry rooms, just sat cold and dark all week long. That, that should bug us because we're not building buildings just so we can hold nice services on the weekends for nice Christian people. Rather, these are buildings that extend into the life of our community and meet needs. In a meeting not very long ago, I was with Carol Townsend. She's the president of the Gallatin Valley United Way. Delightful gal. If you haven't met her, you should. We'll have her on her stage at some point in the future. And I said, Carol, what's the greatest need in the Gallatin Valley? Like this fast. She said, it's childcare for single parents affordable childcare for single parents. And I said, so let's say a church was going to develop an early childcare center in classrooms that we would have anyway because we need them on the weekends. Would that go good? She lit up like a Christmas tree. Absolutely, she said. And so why wouldn't we, instead of just letting those rooms sit cold and dark, why wouldn't we develop an early childcare center in those rooms that are already there anyway, that the infrastructure is already there? We would open a daycare, an affordable daycare, and we're not going to underwrite the whole deal. We're not going to underwrite it. It will be a break-even operation. People will have to pay to use it, but it will be affordable, and it will be top quality, and it will have a spiritual underpinning to it as we teach God-centered values and so on to the children of under-resourced parents in our community. It's our way of expressing the love of Jesus Christ in a tangible way to our community, and that's just one of many things that we could do. 
Because see, we'll contextualize that. Into, people ask me, they're like, Brian, so what's phase two look like? I go, I don't know. I've got ideas, I've got dreams, I've got desires. But what if phase two was determined by the needs of the community? Instead of asking us, we gathered Christ followers, nice Christian people, and say, well, what do we want to build next? What if we ask the community? What's the next greatest need in our community? And we tick that off through this campus. We knock it down, and we go, okay, we got that. And we get about it, see. This is not new. For hundreds of years, missionaries have been using this missional strategy, right? Missionaries, they go into foreign countries. They're primarily sent out from the United States, or at least they used to be. They go into foreign countries, and they take a read, they take a temperature of the culture of the country that they're in. They say, what are the greatest needs? Maybe it's sustainable agriculture. If it is sustainable agriculture, they teach the people sustainable agriculture principles so that they can feed themselves. They contextualize to the needs of the community. The trouble is that the American church for far too long has forgotten our missional roots, see. We've forgotten these principles that allow us to not just evaluate what, what do we want, what do, what do we huddled, we for no more want as a church, but rather what does the community need? And we contextualize our ministry and even our campus to meet those needs, to be about what the community is in need of. We've got to get back to that as the church. Because for far too many people in the United States of America, God has become entirely irrelevant, hasn't he? And lots of Christians like to put the blame on the culture and say, it's the culture's fault that God has become irrelevant. They're just not interested. My allegation is that it's the church's fault. We've proven God irrelevant for far too long because we've sat in rooms just like this and said, it's all about you coming to us, to the culture. And if you don't come to us, there must be something wrong with you, see. We are a going movement. We are a missional concern. We are going with a serving towel over our arm. Why? so that we can make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible through every program, through every ministry, through every facility that we would ever develop on that campus and that community center. And those buildings aren't gonna come out of the ground by themselves, see. There is a significant economic component to this initiative to bring that ministry campus and that community center into existence. And so throughout the month of November, we will be inviting you and we will be inviting your family to consider giving a financial gift over and above your general fund giving to this initiative that we call Light It Up! Exclamation point. I wanted to call it Light It Up Baby, but it just didn't seem to, you know. So we just went with Light It Up. Hope that's all right with you. Since our original capital campaign effort in the fall of 2006, in case you haven't noticed, the economic climate of Bozeman has shifted down a few gears, right? You're feeling it. We all are feeling it. Because of this new economic reality, we are extending the original light and light brighter campaign by one year. We're tagging a year onto the end of it. Thus giving you who made original commitments to light or light brighter, you have until the end of 2010 to fulfill your original pledge. As of right now, bam, it's done. You've got an extra year. Instead of just one year remaining, you have two to complete the commitment you made in either 06 or 07. You have until the end of 2010, okay? At the same time, we're extending that extra year on the light and light brighter projects, we're going to actually invite those of you who made financial commitments to one of those to actually consider increasing your pledge toward this new $2 million goal. Now, I know for some of you, that's not going to be possible. For some of you, you're like, it's gonna take all I've got just to get the original commitment done, and I don't even know if I can do that. That's fine. We'll ask you to tell us that at Commitment Weekend at the end of November. But we believe there's some of us who will have capacity to actually increase our commitment toward this new $2 million goal. And so we'll simply make that invitation. At the same time, we'll be inviting those who have not had any chance to get in on any facet of our campus development to make a brand new two-year financial commitment over and above your normal giving to journey to the Light It Up initiative. 
And here's what I want you to hear because around churches, talking about money just sometimes goes sideways and gets real sticky, but I'm just gonna step right in front of this one. What I want you to hear is that this is in no way a high pressure gig where anyone is gonna strong arm you into giving anything, okay? Please hear that. Not a strong arm, not a sales pitch. This is a decision between you and God. The goal of this invitation through the month of November is that you would merely ask the Lord if he would have you be some part at some level of this lighted up initiative to get that community center and that campus underway. Will you merely ask God what he might have you and your family do toward this project and listen for his answer? And when he speaks to you, which we believe he will and does, that you would just obey him and trust him and follow him and do what he asks you to do. A great question regularly comes up is, what's the time frame of this project? And what I want you to hear really clearly is that if God is very good to us, and this is a faith-filled statement, what I'm about to say, if God is very good to us and we reach this goal of $2 million or close to $2 million, it is entirely possible, please hear that word, possible, not probable, just possible, that we could break ground this coming spring, spring of 2009, on this project, okay? And here's what the finances of that look like. There's about $1.2 million in outstanding pledges from the original two campaigns, right? $1.2 million outstanding. We couple that with $2 million of this Light It Up initiative, exclamation point, light it up, baby, if you want to keep calling it that, that would be all right. That takes our total to about $3.2 million, right? Now, we're going to make a subtraction from that because if this comes in, we're going to give away this much money, $320,000, because we are committed as a community to always tithe off of capital campaign dollars. It's just part of who we are. It's in our genetic code to extend the kingdom of God through the ministries of Journey Church across our region. Two projects we're working on right here and right now on that front. One of them is the Helena Church Plant. Adam Hushka will lead that church plant. It'll start in the fall of 2009. And we as a community have appropriated $100,000 toward that church plant. We just wrote a check for half of it the other day and set it aside for them to use. Harvest, our mama church over in Billings, is also in for 100000 to get that going. So $200,000, go, just in case you're wondering, Helena has two mommies, okay? Helena has two mommies. That church will plant next fall. Uh, the church is called Narrate by the way, narrate church that'll be born in Helena. The second project that we've identified and are working toward with some of those tie dollars from our capital campaigns is the Big Sky campus of Journey Church. You all know where Big Sky is. It's a community of about 2,400 people, many of whom are living life far from God. And leveraging technology, we believe that we can serve the community of Big Sky by simulcasting what's on the stage here in Bozeman on the weekends down there and develop a ministry hub at that end of the valley for the purpose of reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Christ. Our Big Sky staff team that would be on the ground down there would be able to contextualize ministries that would be uniquely suited to the community of Big Sky week in and week out. They would simply leverage what's happening on the stage here on the weekends to create a unique worship experience down there 40 miles south of here. And there's a lot more potential for very similar efforts in other communities around our region. We've been talking for a couple of years about doing something in Livingston. This opens up that potential because once we've done it once, it's real easy to flip the switch on another one. There's quite a community of people who drive over the hill to attend Journey from Livingston and they say all the time, we need one of these over there. And so one of the ways we could leverage that is via technology and open up a Livingston campus of Journey Church and on it goes. Just a couple of projects that we're working on right now with the tithe portion of our capital campaign. All of that ends up just a little shy of $3 million or so, 2.8-ish. And so that project, phase one, is about a $2.8 million project or so to get that out of the ground, up and running. And we are willing to leverage reasonable amounts of short-term debt to bring that project into reality. And I mean reasonable amounts of short-term debt. We're not talking 30-year mortgages here. 
We have a Christian lending group that's on gear and with us right now. It's affiliated with the Wesleyan denomination. It's a bank, really, with whom we as a church do a lot of business with, and they're ready to go. They're ready to help us with this project. Our pledges and that lighted-up giving are the means of repayment of that debt. See? And that's a lot of numbers, and that's a lot of statistics, but I want to wrap it up by saying just a couple of things as we close up. Around Journey Church, see, we are absolutely stunned by God's amazing and unreasonable love for people who are living life far from him. His love was so unreasonable, as a matter of fact, that he sent his one and only son, one and only son, and sacrificed him on the cross so that none should perish. None should perish. Not me, not you, not your neighbor, not my neighbor. None should perish. And we were the conduits of that amazing and that unreasonable love of God. And we extend his love individually. We extend his love corporately. We extend his love through a ministry campus and a community center. And you don't have to look very long or very hard to see the evidence that God has called our church, this community, to fill a very unique role in the Gallatin Valley in reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But get this, our work is so far from being accomplished. It is so far from being done. There are so many kids who have yet to give their lives to Jesus Christ. There are so many college students and 20-somethings who are seeking. There are so many parents who want more than anything to raise their families with values. There are so many grandparents who want the very best for their grandkids. And you and I and this community called Journey Church, we hold the answer that they are seeking, don't we? And so projects like the one we're talking about, they're, just, they're not just about building buildings, see. They're about being the couriers of hope that so many are longing for and that so many are living without. And ask yourself this question. If we don't relevantly share God's love with them, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna do it? God doesn't have a plan B in his hip pocket. It's us or it's lights out, see? And so let's keep about it. Like, let's keep about it. And let's keep doing that very thing, making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible for as long as the Lord gives us, all right? Why don't you just move to a posture of prayer, if you would. I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads, please. Jesus, we're just so incredibly grateful for that unreasonable love that you demonstrated on our behalf and we receive the gift that you gave. We received your death, we received your resurrection, we received your eternal life and your new quality of life right here and right now. We embrace it fully. And Jesus, I pray for us as a community called Journey Church that we would be all about mission accomplishment. Thanks for making sure we don't have to wonder what we're supposed to be about. You tell us, go and make disciples. Help us grab onto that even more this new year, God, in this new season of ministry, that we would be more about reaching people who are far from you, that we would be more about growing people up in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We got a long way to go, God. And your heart is that none would perish. That's our heart too. Help us pursue people like you pursue people. Help us have conversations with people, directing them to you. Help us be inviters into the kingdom of God everywhere we go, everything we do. Please continue to use our church. Please continue to bless your work through this community called Journey, God. We're in with you and we're clinging to you and we're following you and we love you. We do all of this for you. In Jesus' name, amen.